let's continue to stand in the presence of God. Oh, I got some of you guys. Yeah, I got to help some of the campus. We, we, I got to get used to saying it just a little bit. Some of us going to be standing on the couch tomorrow watching football. My Titans are playing. They got past the Patriots. I didn't think it would happen, but they did. They got past, who was it, Baltimore? Wasn't sure that they would. And now we got a big test with Kansas City. But you know what? I'm going to bring God my best right here today. Right here today. That's right. Yes, I welcome all our campuses. We're glad you're here. Everyone's standing. We're going to read scripture in just a minute. And I'd like you to stay standing. Gulf Freeze, you're standing. Navarre, you're standing. Blackwater, you're still standing. Blackwater stands. They stand and clap. It's, I tell you where I want to preach. I want to preach at Blackwater and online. We're so glad you guys are watching online. Um, so excited of what God's doing in this series, Stronger. Last week we talked about God cares about what God creates. What God creates, God cares about. God created you and me. God, God made our bodies and uh, he cares about what he created. And we talked about body by God. Today I want to bring to you a message entitled copy that that's the question copy that we're going to talk about it last week we're in Romans 12 1 we're going to read 12 1 again and then verse 12 2 and then you guys ask that you be seated Romans 12 Paul is speaking to God's people and he says and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all someone say all what a small word, what a big meaning. When you say I love you with all my heart, all is everything. Three letters, and yet it contains more than the depth of the alphabet. I plead with you, Paul said, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Do you know that God did a whole lot for you? Do you know that God has done a whole lot for you? Do you know that God is doing a whole lot for you? Do you know that God has great plans to continue to do a whole lot for you? Do you know that? Like he's not done. And if your life isn't, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. And he knows the thoughts that he has toward us, says the Lord. They're good thoughts. They're good thoughts. Some of you think they're just angry thoughts. Some of you think they're just judgment thoughts. No, they're good thoughts. I'm thankful for God's thought to me. And so for all he's done for me, watch, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. It's not the, the kind that you find meaningful, or I find meaningful, or, or I find like this fits me. God says, no, it's actually about him. And when we understand that, the sooner we get there, that really um, God made you, and he made you for his glory. He made your body. And he made your body to honor him. And when we get these kind of principles, what happens is our low-level living rises. And our purposeless living all of a sudden fills in with purpose. And we stop searching for things, trinkets that money can buy because there's a joy, a river of joy on the inside. So Paul goes and he says that this is truly the way to worship him then he says this don't copy someone say don't copy don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world let me say that again Paul is telling us do not copy the ways of the world in their manners and in their customs because not all the manners and the customs of this world glorify God how many are with me can I hear an amen can I hear an amen a little bit louder? Can I hear an amen a little bit louder? All right, are you with me? So here we go. He says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, let God means I got to get out of the driver's seat. I got to stop being the pilot. And I got to let God. Instead of God being my co-pilot, God really ought to be the pilot. When God becomes the pilot, my life gets a little bit better. Are you with me? So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform, let him what? 
let him transform you into a new person. And that's what we started the series with. Last week we asked, how many want to be stronger in body, in mind, and in soul? And most of us raised our hand. We said, I want to be strong. What we're saying is, is we want to be our best self. We, we want to live up to our potential. We want to be all that God wants us to be. Are you with me? That's what we're saying. And, uh, and so how is God going to transform us into a new person? Here it is. By changing the way we think. By changing the way we think. And today I want to bring a message to you entitled, Copy That? Because so many people live where we're just photocopying what the world does. The world cheats on their spouses, so does the church. The world talks a certain way, so does the church. The world does this, sometimes so does the church. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Don't copy that. But the world will say, copy it. And as Christians, we're supposed to look at it and say, copy that? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to copy that. I'm not going to be fitted into the world's mold. I'm going to allow the Lord to transform me by the way I think. If you want to change your life, you better listen. This is the most important message outside of salvation I believe a Christian can hear. you got to change the way you think. The enemy first attacked Adam and Eve's thinking. And that's right where his scope is focused for your life. So as Paul would finish here, he says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. For some of us, we didn't want God to change the way we think. That's why we didn't become a Christian. For some people here today, it's why you're like, I don't know, because if I become a Christian, then I, then I got to give up my sin. Then, then, then I got to stop embracing my sin. When you become a Christian, you realize what that sin cost Jesus to set you free, and you won't want to sleep with that sin anymore. You want to divorce that sin. You want Jesus to set you free from that. Are you with me? Oh, good. I'm glad someone's with me. Then, this is next week, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But yet we think, man, if I go God's way, it's going to trip me up. And your best life ever, the best you, is actually the surrendered you. Body, mind, and soul. So Jesus, in your name, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. And we know, Holy Spirit, that you were sent, John 16, to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment to come because of sin. And we realize that right now, you give us grace. You took our judgment so we would not have to face your judgment for our sin. And there are people today who need you as their Savior. They're not guaranteed another tomorrow or another breath. And if they die without you, they get eternity without you. I pray that you would awaken them to the reality of the truth. I pray for those of us that know you, that we would renew our thinking starting today so you can transform us. Because if we won't, then you don't. And then I pray that so many of us would leave here with belief systems that were built on the foundation of lies, that we leave that they're shattered, and we are ready for you to do something new in our hearts and in our minds, and we give you all the glory. This changes everything, God. It's our thinking our thinking, change our thinking, I pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen, and amen. You may be seated at every campus in the presence of God. My takeaway is real simple. If you don't renew it, you repeat it. You sushi-size the message. It's portable. It's transferable. You can take that with you. You can remember that. Though you may not remember the text or the stories, this truth comes from 
the text. It comes from God's word. That's our foundation. It's our foundation. And I want you to remember this. It's about our thinking. If we don't renew it, we repeat it. If you don't renew your mind, you will repeat your thinking every time. So someone say renew. The question that I ask is coming out of a story from the summer. Steph and I celebrated uh, 20 years of marriage, and uh, yes, that's right. About 17 of them happy, about three of them we were wrestling and struggling. How many know what I'm talking about? Any honest people in the crowd today? Yes, and the rest of y'all are not married. But we went on a trip to Alaska, and one of the excursions we did was a train to see the, the terrain of Alaska. And so I got a couple pictures we're going to put up here. The first one is, is our family. You got mom and dad are up there, Steph and I, my aunt and uncle, my cousin and her family. And uh, this was just a ball, man. This, is, uh, this was just a good time of being together. It was a great time. So we get on the train. You know, trains take you somewhere. Trains take you someplace. So we get on the train. Next picture. Uh, we get on that train, and, and uh, man, uh, my friend Doug, appreciate this one, Doug and Karen. Um, we're, we're there, and they're talking to us, and they say, as you see right here, the two flags, because this is Alaska, and right there is Canada. We're right here, two countries. Two great countries. And so that was an awesome moment and monument. Take a picture of that. And I just thought, Lord, man, that's, that's awesome. Next picture, as uh, we're going, I, I don't know if you can see as clearly as this water. I mean, it just kind of reminds us of the Emerald Coast. I didn't know waters in Alaska look like that. Just gorgeous, just beautiful. I mean, very uh, inviting and invigorating. It just screamed life. Thought, what a beautiful picture. And you could see it from the top of the mountain coming all the way down. I was like, man, that's, that's a uh, beautiful, beautiful. And to think that out of God's mouth, God created the heavens and the earth. First verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the enemy would attack our thinking starting with the first verse in the Bible. Next picture. Very next picture was a bridge. And I, again, I, I don't know if that picture does it justice. I don't know if you can actually imagine how tall that is. It was a wooden bridge. It was a big wooden bridge. It was a high wooden bridge. It was a bridge that we saw miles away before we ever went over it. And then he told us, yes, we are actually going over that bridge. You know, like that bridge is fine unless you're scared of heights. That bridge is fine as long as it's another train because there were other tracks and other trains and we were passing them. But when he said, yeah, in a little bit, we'll be going over that bridge, that was a whole new level. How many of you like heights? Raise your hand. Heights don't bother you. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking. I just want to see. I'm looking in the camera. I want to see some of your faces at the campuses. I'm looking at How many of you, you're like, oh, no, no, that's me. I can't, I can't do that. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. Next picture, please. Next picture. Next picture, um, you know, like what is that? Well, that was a tunnel we were going through. And again, I don't know if this picture does justice to show you just how small this was. And again, children, please keep arms and adults inside the cars because you could reach out and touch something and reach out and break something. And when we went in there, I don't know if you can see, but inside just a little bit, it pretty much... Um, just kind of caved in just to the train. So if you were claustrophobic, that would, uh, again, present a little bit of a challenge for you. Next picture. That's Pops. 
And Pop says, outside the car, and he's out there on the little, little patio, the little deck there. It's covered. And um, as you see, there's a rail, but then to Dad's right, there's a chain, right? In between the, the car, there's a train, and, uh, and, and it's where it's connected. And, and, and there's the chain right there, and you can see the ground. And again, they, please be careful there. Don't let small kids, they could fall out and uh, get run over. And, um, but, but for some people, going out there was too much, especially at certain points on the journey when it was heights or when we were claustrophobic. My cousin and I went out there when it went lights out. It went lights out for a little bit, and uh, we heard in the car, ah, you know, all these people screaming. And I tried not to scream that loud, but it was, uh, it, it was fun. But this last, I think there's one, is there one more picture? I think maybe that's the last picture. That's the last picture. So as we were in that, as we were in that, we come out, and that train took us from our starting point, and we got to see Canada and back. You see, thoughts are a lot like trains. Thoughts take you somewhere. Thoughts take you someplace. And when you hop on the train... They may take you further than you were planning on going. My question that I want you to think about today is what are some trains of thought, good and bad, and where did they take you? What are some of your trains of thought, good and bad, positive and negative, that, that you hopped on, and where did those thoughts take you? I could say it this way, two weeks ago, preached on the power of a decade. What might have the last decade look like if your thoughts were different? What might your last decade look like if your thoughts would have been better? What might this new decade look like because our thoughts will be better? You know, we're in this fast. I hope you guys are still, we're in this thing together. As Paul said to the Philippians, he said, we are in this struggle together. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It's not easy whether you give up one thing or you give up a bunch of things. It's not easy. The, the uh, spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh wants cheeseburgers. But the spirit says, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The flesh wants, I better stop because we're going to make us all hungry. Bacon is where I was headed. Bacon is where I was headed. The flesh wants that. But God says there are only a few things that come by prayer and fasting. In fact, when the disciples could not cast out some demons... And only Jesus could do that. Jesus said, well, this kind of power, if you want the power I have, this kind of power only comes by prayer and fasting. So the truth is, is blessed are those that hunger and thirst for God, for they'll be filled. So 21 days seems like eternity. Can I hear an amen? But let not your heart be troubled. The fast will be over and your year will be blessed. And he'll bless the rest of your year because you, got, you gave God, let's say it that way, you gave God your first and your best. And God says, I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. I see you, teenager. I see you, grandparent, and I'm going to raise you. I look back in our life this last year and think of all the incredible blessings that God did for our family that literally three years ago would have blown my mind, and yet God delivered. And I believe so much of that goes to prayer and fasting. So if you're struggling, if you messed up, don't shame yourself. Just regain yourself. Just say, all right, I messed up. That's all right. Lord, I'm not going to lie. It tasted good, but I'm getting back on track. And God will bless you. On the 26th, we are going to end. Um, the whole reason why we do night of worship is to actually celebrate our Jesus who we've been leaning into and worshiping and fasting and saying, God, we want more of you. 
And so on the 26th, if, if, you, if you come in fasting, you will leave praising. You will. If you come in fasting, you will walk out praising. Because the truth is, you've been worshiping the whole time. Fasting is actually a form of worship. That's what fasting is. Fasting is actually a prayer. They don't just go without food or coffee or whatever and never pray. But fasting is, an, it's like a candle that's burning in the presence of God, saying, God, I hunger and I thirst and I need you. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst, for they will be, what's the word? Yeah, and he wants the cup to run over. My gosh. Yes, that's all my introduction. Amen. Amen. Yes, thoughts are like trains. They take us somewhere. Romans 12, 2 breaks it down. I love this. In the Amplified, it says, Don't be conformed to the world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. The truth is, if you think I can't, you're right. And if you think I can, you're right. It's in what you think. And when we align my thinking with God's thinking, everything changes. Do you know that the average human speaks 150 words to 200 words a minute? I've seen some men out there smiling. They're like, you, you haven't met my wife. <laughs> she, she's setting the record. She's breaking them records, boy. Do you know that the mind thinks at 1,300 words a minute? You can have a thought. You can have a thought that it would take minutes and minutes and minutes for your words to even catch up with a thought. That's why God says that we need to filter every thought. We ought to tackle every thought and then terminate every thought. It's like you're going somewhere. So you go to the airport, and if you got luggage, <laughs> if you got luggage, you got to check it. In fact, you got to be checked yourself. And they screen you. Sometimes they pat you down. Sometimes a little longer than you'd like. And that's what God says we ought to do with our thoughts. We ought to screen our thoughts because our thoughts are that powerful. So it says, watch this, but be transformed, right? How do we do that? By the renewing of our mind. And what does that mean? That means we're going to focus on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, or in other words, it's his plan and purpose for you. The greatest day of your life is when you realize what God's plan and purpose is for your life. If you're living for your plan and you're living for your purpose, you're really, really small. You're living, living, living really, really small. God is the creator. This is the instruction manual. And God knows why he made you. You came through your mother, but you came from your father. Y'all catch that tomorrow. You came through your mother, but we came from our father. You may have been an accident, I said last week, to two people, but you weren't an accident in the mind of God. You came from heaven, formed by God in your mother's womb. And so God says a couple of things from these verses. Number one, say don't copy. Don't copy. Don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. Number two, be transformed. Say, be transformed. Come on, I think y'all can do a little bit better than that. I want to hear every campus loud. Here we go, ready? Be transformed. That's better. In other words, you can be better. In other words, here's the hope. You can change. But there's only one that wants you to believe you can't change. There's only one that wants you to stay tied to low-level living. That's our enemy. And he's a liar. And he's a liar from the beginning. And he's a liar to the end. And he's a liar that has been judged and will be judged. So don't listen to the liar. Turn to your neighbor right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't listen to the liar. Don't listen to the liar. Come on, tell him. Be transformed. Number two. Number three, change your thinking. Someone say, change your thinking. 
got to change your thinking. In other words, we do need new and better thoughts. And when we change our thinking, that is the very vehicle that starts the engine of change. Is when we decide to change our thinking. Catch this now. We need to think right about things. We need to think right about things. When you see your neighbor getting ahead, when you see your coworker getting promoted, when you see your friend marrying and you're not, when you're waiting and believing for a baby and your best friend is getting ready to deliver a baby, we have to guard our thoughts. Because out of our heart, our intellect, our will, and our emotion are the issues of life. So we got to pay attention. Copy that. Copy what the world wants us to copy. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, we're learning. If we don't renew it, we'll repeat it. If we don't renew our thinking and we renew our thinking like taking a shower, it's a spiritual shower. You got to get time with God every day. I'm not going to tell you when to do it. I'm not going to tell you uh, how. I will tell you how to do it later in a series that we're going to do. But I'm not going to tell you when you got to do it or where you got to read or or how you got to read. I'm not going to tell you that right now. I just want you to just get with God and make it a habit. Make it an appointment. Put it on in your phone, on your calendar, and don't let anything change it. Someone says, can you do this? No, I have an appointment. Can you do that? No, I have an appointment. Can you do this? No, I have an appointment. And don't skip the appointment with God because it's a spiritual shower that literally, like today, thank God for the rain. I don't know about you guys, but I've been sneezing a little bit more because of uh, 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 some pollen. I get outside and my car is covered. It now the sun is looking like lime green. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what in the world is, achoo, achoo, achoo. And uh, the rain, and I'm watching it wash it away. And, and, and what we need in God's house, what we need in God's people's hearts is a return to the Word of God. Not like, well, I heard that story before, and I heard that message before, and I've gone to church before, and I've heard that's, yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. No, we need to say, we need to say, God, sign me up. I'm coming under authority and I'm turning on the word over my life because when I get under your authority and I get under what you put over me I can get over what you've been dreaming of putting under me but some of us can't get over the struggles can't get over the hangups can't get over the problems can't get over the struggles can't get over the sin sickness that creeps in our mind we can't do it because we have yet to come under we know we should do it we just don't do it but James Jesus half brother says let me tell you something to the person that knows to do good and doesn't do it it's sin so sin's not just when I do something I shouldn't sin is when I don't do something I should called a sin of omission and there's nothing that will change the game especially right here than getting into this book you can read every self-help book and still be stuck because only one name only one name it's only one power only one chain breaker I feel like preaching right now only uh, there's only one way maker it's just one. And when you get closer to God, the devil says, oh, we out of here. Not that he's not going to attack you. He just needs a little more reinforcement. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Mm. Y'all want some more? Y'all want some more? One of the hardest things, can I, this, is, this isn't a shame thing, I, but I'd be lying if I didn't be honest with you. One of the hardest things for me when I go overseas is I see a hunger for God. Lord willing, in May, in May I'll be going to Africa for the first time. Some of our missionaries there and friends that we support. And when I've been to China, I've been to Ecuador, and I've watched people that have nothing. They have nothing. They work at trash heaps that are higher than the ceiling. And in the schools, 
higher than those ceilings. And they dig through sharp metal, hoping to find something that night, eight, 10, 12 hours of worth that someone accidentally threw away that they can sell so their babies can eat. And then you go to church with these people and they have such a hunger for God. And you get around them and you think, God, I, I, need, I need that. I'm a pastor and I love you and I serve you, but I don't have that. Then you come back to America and we sit and we serve our idols with more enthusiasm than our maker. And God says, don't copy that. Don't copy that. The manners and the customs of this world. Don't, don't copy that. Be different. Change how you think. Renew it with the word of God. What I'm telling you today is if you don't renew your mind with the word of God, you will repeat your folly every time. You repeat it. You repeat it. You repeat it. And the definition of insanity is to keep doing what we've been doing and expecting what? We know, don't we? How many been there? Raise your hand. How many been there? <laughs> I'd raise my other foot if I could. You've been there? I've been there. So if you've not taken a note, let's get in the game. I'm going to give you five things, and I'm going to close. And these five things will change your life by changing your thinking. These are five principles, five truths five keys that can literally unlock your destiny, your future, and allow you to walk into your dreams that you've been talking about. You just can't seem to get to because you can't change your thinking. Five things. Number one, our thoughts create our emotions. You need to understand that. If you respond wrong emotionally, and we all do at times. We're all emotional people. In fact, that's the one common denominator in this crowd today is that we all have emotion. God made us with emotion. Nothing wrong with emotion. But we must understand, number one, that our thoughts create emotion. So when a thought comes into your mind, watch me, watch me, watch me. A thought may enter your mind. And, and when we think in our mind, that's called self-talk. Then we can speak it out loud. We, we can just talk our thought. We can think our thoughts quietly, privately. No one's listening. And we can have a thought just come into our mind. Sometimes those thoughts come from God. Sometimes they've come from the enemy. But those thoughts create emotion. So the thought comes in, oh my gosh, I can't do that. And then you feel what? Afraid. You with me? Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Number two, number one is our thoughts create our emotions. Number two, our thoughts affect our behavior. Our thoughts affect our behavior. How it goes is thought, emotion, behavior. But what we want to do is we just want to pay a fat, we just, can I just pay some money? Can I just, I just want to do something? And we've signed up, don't, don't raise your hand. But maybe late at night when you couldn't sleep, you saw some infomercial and you're like, that's it. That's my hope. That's my ticket. And we paid all kinds of, and right now during the next 30 seconds, and we put all our hope in something that we never even opened. Because what we wanted was a fix. What we wanted was to change my behavior. I did this, this hurts, this hurts. We want to change our behavior. Um, and, and God says, no, it's a little bit deeper than that. We're going to have to dig through some emotion. We're going to have to go all the way back to our thoughts. And the truth is those thoughts actually got embedded during childhood, where it started. Maybe your parents were allowed to be angry, but you weren't. 
So now you're a parent that when your kids start to show emotion and they get upset, you're the only person that can get angry. But they better not get angry. Are you with me? That's what that might look like. Number two, our thoughts affect our behavior. Number three, number three, our perceived center of control, our perceived center of control affects our behavior. This is found straight out of the Bible. It's Numbers 13, and God uh, has Moses send spies into the land, and ten, ten were bad, and two were good. Ten were bad, and two were good. And what do you think they saw in Canaan? Some saw amazing things. That was two people, Joshua and Caleb. And the other ten, they saw giants. And when they come back to camp and give a report, Joshua and Caleb, Caleb who's, who's older, Joshua who's Moses' apprentice who's getting ready to take over, um, uh, Caleb says, ah, we can take them. I want that mountain. He's an old man and he's ready to kick tail. He's, he's ready to open a can. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He's like, give me some of that. Sign me up, boy. God made me a warrior. I was made to fight. Let's go. I'm going to take them on all by myself. If God's with me, who can be against me? Me and God, we a majority. Let's go. Perhaps God will deliver all of them into my hand. But 10 got up and influenced the rest, which teaches us a great leadership principle that leadership isn't just about knowing what we should do. Leadership is about getting other people to do what we should do and actually get them to want to do it and make it their idea. I freaked you out. We ought to do that. Yes, we ought to do. But the 10, they controlled the crowd and they did it with their words, but their words came from their thinking. And what they said is, the giants over there are so big. Now, what are your giants right now in your life that you just keep self-talking yourself in circles that the giants are so big? And God actually has a promised land for you. But if you don't get this right, if you don't get this right because you don't get this right into here to get this right, to get this right, what will happen is you'll find your own wilderness. And it might be for 40 years, might be for 50 years, might be for your whole life. But God doesn't want that. God has a promised land flowing with milk and honey. God is saying it's yours. I've already done it. I've already declared it. I've already destined it. I gave it to you. You just got to stand and move forward thinking right. But if we don't think right, we miss right. And we end up with what our flesh declares is right. And so what happens is the 10 says, we, we, these giants are so big. Oh my goodness. And they didn't see they, because they weren't with God. They weren't with God's word. They were with their thoughts. The problem was their thoughts weren't according to God's word. And so they said, we, we, we trembled and we, we were in our own eyes, self-talk, as grasshoppers. So I could have preached on Numbers 13 and called it giants and grapes and grasshoppers. Their thinking limited them. And they perceived. They perceived wrong and everyone else hung in the balance. Number four, I know about you guys. I'm just going to testify. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to do a little confessing up here. Sometimes I think some crazy thoughts. You ever think crazy thoughts? I'm talking about uh, number four. Sometimes we think crazy, irrational thoughts. You ever think that? You, your wife hadn't come home yet. She hadn't come home yet, and you forgot about traffic. And you're thinking, which leads to your worry, you think she's in an accident. And maybe you think, well, she's cheating on me. Are you thinking some crazy weird thought? Or all of a sudden God opens a door in business and, and, and that's God's will. And he opens this amazing door. In fact, this was your dream and you've been praying about it. You've been believing about it. In fact, in the past you fasted about it. You might even right now be fasting about it. But then when the time comes, you're like, I can't do it. And we turn into a Moses moment. You're not talking to me. Who are you talking to? God's like, I'm talking to you talking to you. We think some crazy irrational thought. Job in Job 3, 25 and 26. See, Job worries and then his worries become a reality. Job says this, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I heard about a true story of a man whose mother passed away with cancer. And I know cancer is such a touchy subject, but I'm, I'm going to talk about this right now because I think there's real truth in what I'm about to say. 
Scripture says that our words have the power of life and death. But our words come from our... So could it be that our thoughts have the power of life and death? His mother got cancer and died of cancer and walking out of watching her take her last breath. He said, I'm going to die of cancer too. I'm gonna, it's in our family. It's, it's in our genes. It's our history. I, I'm going to get That's how I'll die. I'll, he declared it. And all of a sudden, he became obsessed, obsessed with the fact that he had cancer. But every doctor visit, every scan, no cancer. And yet within a year, he died of that cancer because he thought it and he spoke it. The power of life and death is in your tongue and it's in your thoughts. So dream with me. Dream with me right now. What if? Can, can we just throw that one out there? What if has kicked our tail too long, right? For some of us, the what if thoughts, the scary what if, what if, what if? But can we just flip it? Can we just go, what if? What if God? What if God gives me twins instead of a child? What if God doesn't just give me one business? What if God gives me five businesses? What if God doesn't just bless my finances and I become a millionaire, but what if I become a multi-millionaire for his kingdom and his glory and his purpose? What if God doesn't just give me a woman, she's smoking hot? You got to believe it. You got to believe it. You got to renew it. You got to renew it. Job said, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Number five, we change our lives by gaining control of our thoughts. I conclude the story and read two verses and we'll bow our heads. The train story that I told you about was significant in my life because I grew up with, with mom. Y'all know mom. Mom always had a ton of fear. And the way you get rid of fear is you don't deny that you have it. You don't run from it. You face it. You feel it. And you kick its butt. You know how you kick its butt? You do it anyways. You do it afraid. You do it nervous. You do it shaking. I heard a preacher this week talk about when he first started preaching. He, he would get so afraid when he got in front of people. The first time he ever preached, they gave him a microphone. He still preaches with a handheld microphone. And he was shaking that microphone. He was shaking. He was trying to preach. He's holding that microphone, man. And it looked like he was doing wrist aerobics, baby. I mean, he, that thing was just trembling. It was trembling. And he was shaking it. And so he... he, he He's like, I know they know it. I know they saw it. But it's not, watch, watch, watch. For some of us, it's not actually what happened. For some of us, watch this, counselors. You're going to love this. It's actually the gap. It's not actually what happened. It's, it's how, we, how we explain what happened. It's how long we dwell on what happened. It's the wrong thinking that we think about what happened. And what happened wasn't as bad as what we thought. It, that happened, yes, but we make it way bigger, way badder, way worse, or just some incorrect English there. We make it really, really, really bad, and we dwell on it, and we repeat it over and over and over again. And God says, don't copy that. Don't copy that. That's the manners and the customs of the world because they don't got the word. But you heard. You do have the word. And you don't have to copy that. And so what happens is, mom, who grew up with all these fears, she was claustrophobic, scared of heights. Mom's on that train. And mom is just a new person because mom's thinking new. She's thinking different thoughts. And mom said, you know what? I'm going out on the balcony. That's why I showed you the picture of the balcony. And mom went out and mom looked over. Mom looked out the window. And when we went through that, that, you know, when we went through the tunnel, you know, you got a toothbrush holder. You know what I'm talking about? They make those things. I mean, boy, if you don't hold it just right, you can't close it. You know what I'm talking about? That's how that tunnel was. And mom's like, I'm okay. I'm not going to be afraid. Because she had a new thought. And she spoke a new word. 
and she had a new reality. If you're sick and tired of your real, then you need to heal. And the healer is among us. And his name's Jesus. And he wants to set you free. Paul said to the, the church in Philippi, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts. So we think right about things, and we think about the right things. Two different things. We think right about things. So men, if we're married, we don't look and lust at another woman because that woman's not my woman. And Jesus said, if you look and lust, you, you just slept with her and for, for God. I mean, you, you might as well have slept with her because in God's eyes, you're that guilty. And, and that, that speaks to all of us men because there's a daily battle. But we got to fix our mind, we have to think right about things. So I don't think about her as, oh my gosh, look at her body. Oh my gosh, she's a goddess. Oh my gosh, boy, I'd like to. And we don't do that. We, no, no, no. We change our thinking. And that's a woman. In fact, that's a daughter of God. That's God's daughter. And that's not my wife. So I'm not going to stare. Are you with me? We getting quiet now, man, aren't we? Come on, talk to me, somebody. We got to think. And women... That means that we're not jealous. We're not going to covet this and that. We're going to change our, we're not going to copy that. That's what the world does. We're going to fix this right here. And we're going to fix our thoughts on what is true. So we're going to think right about things. And then we're going to think about the right things, which is what this verse says. So fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, Paul said. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing then, it's conditional, then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Some of you want peace so bad, and God is peace, and God wants you to have peace. But you're not going to have peace till you renew it. And if you don't renew it, you will repeat it. So renew it. Set an appointment. That app on your phone named YouVersion is a tool that is, I believe as Christians, our greatest resource to help us with God's Word. Download it. Start a plan. And get with God. And renew your thinking. And when you renew your thinking, You'll stop repeating the stuff you wanted to leave in the last decade. And my prayer for all of us, and I preach this thing to me. I'm not preaching it to y'all. I'm preaching this to me too. My heart is that all of us in here won't just go out and say, man, that was a great message. My prayer is that we will not just be hearers of the word but we'll be doers of the word. And what will happen is the God of all peace will comfort you and help you control right here so you don't copy that. You're not pushed into a mold. You're actually transformed into who God created you to be. So let's be stronger right here, which means we got to open right here. Heads bowed, would you? Don't check out. Just bow your heads. Don't check out. Don't check your phones. This is a moment right now where God is leading you to. I'm talking to believers first right now, Christians. How many would say, Pastor Tim, I'm being honest, man. This is my battle. This is my struggle. This is uh, where I lose it. This is where I needed it. And I received this word of God. Jesus says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many would say today, you'd say this is the truth that I will respond to? Raise your hand. Every campus, raise it high. Hold it up high, not for me, for God. Hold it up high. My hand is raised. In fact, I'm going to raise both of them. And I'm going to say, Jesus, you see our hands, and you know our hearts, and we ask you, 
Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 6, to control our mind, control our thinking, help us, because it leads to life and peace. And you came to give us life and life abundantly. And if we don't have life and we don't have life abundantly, it's because, Holy Spirit, you're not controlling the shots nor the thoughts. So we just ask you to be our pilot from here on out. And we need your help so that we tackle and terminate every evil thought, every ungodly thought. We captivate, we arrest, we screen every thought, and we make sure that it's in alignment with Jesus. And if it's not, we flush it. If it's not, we dismiss it. If it's not, we delete it. Because our minds matter. And we thank you now for helping us. Help us to get into your word. The word that's able to save our souls. Help us to get time with you, Jesus, I pray. What a shame it would be if people at Momentum served on a team went to community group, came to church, but never, ever read their Bibles. They would miss out from their destiny and their purpose and your plan, your perfect, pleasing plan. That's what they would miss out on. And God, you don't want us to do it. So, so Lord, we just say right now, we need your help. Help us, help us, help us, help us here, right here. Right now, may we be different and better for it. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I never, never want to close a gathering without giving the gospel and giving the gospel clearly. There are people here that you've come, and we are so glad everyone's here, but if you're not a believer in Jesus, and not just in Jesus, but what I'm saying is if you've never put your trust in Christ alone, it's misplaced. You can have faith, but your faith doesn't save us. Because there's many faiths. Faith is an object, but it's not the right object. It's grace that saves us through faith. And God gives us the faith to believe and accept His grace. But just having faith in God won't, won't save you. You have to realize that you are a sinner that desperately has offended God. Your sin has offended God, and God makes sure that sins are punished because He's holy, righteous, just, and true. He is a loving God, but He's also a right God, a righteous God, a holy God, a just God. And the punishment for our sins is death. That's personally and eternally so every person dies because every person is sin that's our physical death but there's a spiritual death that God tells us to watch out for and he warns us about in scripture and that spiritual death is for people who were only born one time they were just born physically but they were never born again spiritually and so he Eternally, that's forever and ever and ever, they live in a place where God's love doesn't exist, where the devil is real and the flames are hot. The place is called hell and it's as real as Pensacola. And you don't get mulligans and second tries and exit signs and you don't get any of that. You don't even get a drop of water. That is how much God hates sin. Now please understand that God took that hate towards our sin and God put that wrath, punishment, justice on Jesus. And Jesus didn't just die and shed a few drops of blood. Jesus literally endured the wrath and the righteousness of a holy God. Sins were judged on Jesus your sin my sin and God did that he gave us his son so that you and I would have to pay for it he gave us his only son and Jesus shed his blood and that blood was the perfect blood of God of a sinless Savior 
And only that blood can wash away your sins. Listen to me. You praying a prayer every night on your knees cannot save you. You going to church every time the doors are open cannot save you. You being baptized ten times, five times, three times cannot, will not save you. You going to this church and learning about this religion and doing this cannot, being a good person cannot save you. It has nothing to do with us. We have nothing to offer. just want to bring a real clear theological understanding of salvation. The only thing we can do is receive a gift. And the gift is that our sin was already paid for once and in full. And Jesus paid it all. So what we do is we transfer our trust just like you transfer money from one account to another. We transfer our trust from our religion. We transfer our trust from our rituals. We transfer our trust from our church attending or our giving of monies or our serving with our time. We transfer that of us. Well, I tried it. My good outweighing my bad. I'm trying to just be good. Hopefully, I'll make it. Hopefully, hopefully the good will outweigh the bad. And Scripture says the opposite. What has to happen is that you realize Jesus took my place and paid for my sin. And I didn't deserve it, but I receive it. And when you transfer your trust to Christ alone, that he loved you and he died for you and he paid for your sins and they buried him, but three days later, everyone found out you couldn't keep God down and Jesus is alive and he's coming back. And when you put your faith and your trust in Christ alone to come into your life, to wash away your sins, and you declare, Jesus, you are Lord. I'm not Lord. You are Lord. And you put all your trust in him because his blood is the only thing that can forgive your sins. That is how you become a child of God. And I don't want one person at Momentum Church to go to hell thinking they were going to heaven because they went to Momentum Church or because they attended a community group or because they showed up and, and they served and served and served. Uh-uh. I want you to know there's only one way. It's the Jesus way. It's the narrow way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you have Jesus, you have life. But if you don't have Jesus today, you don't have life. And Scripture says the wrath of God is abiding on you. What that means is your court date is coming. And if you don't repent and turn to Jesus and receive his gift, you'll spend eternity without his love. And I believe with all my heart right now, I feel the spirit of the living God. I believe there are people in this place right now. You've been coming. You've been waiting. You've been postponing. You've been saying, I'll do it later. And today is the day of salvation. Don't you dare die and go to hell. God loves you. God took your punishment for you. He took it willingly because he loves you. And he's not mad at you. But if you refuse him, You'll get what you get when you get to eternity. And that's forever and ever without Him. And I'm calling today right now for people to turn to Jesus. Just Jesus. Not your church, not your denomination, not your good works, not your baptism, not this, not that. Just Jesus. And if you need Jesus right now, I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray a sinner's prayer. You're not praying to me, you're praying to God. And he's listening. And then I'm going to ask if you did that to raise your hand. And I want you to hold it up high. And I believe in Navarre, there'll be so many hands raised. And I believe in Gulf Breeze, there'll be so many hands raised. And I believe in Blackwater, there'll be so many hands raised. And I believe online right now, there'll be so many people typing, Jesus made me new. And I believe right here in Pensacola today, there'll be hands, so many hands raised because you're not just attending now you just became a Christian so pray with me, would you right now would you say Jesus and I want you to pray it out loud Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a savior 
Thank you for dying for me, shedding your blood to wash away my sins. I believe you rose again. I now give you my life, and I receive your life. Now teach me how to live in Jesus' name. Eyes open, heads raised at every campus right here. We're coming to the end of the gathering. This is my favorite part of the gathering. This is bigger than any big football game. This is bigger than March Madness. This is bigger, this is bigger than hunting and fishing. This is bigger than my hobbies and your hobbies. This is bigger than anything in the world. This is the reason Jesus came was to seek and save those that are lost. And today, people have crossed the line of faith and today we're gonna celebrate. So don't be shy, hold it up high on the count of three. Right now it's a holy moment and I'm gonna ask that people don't leave. It's a holy moment. On the count of three, I want you to hold it up high. Don't be shy, hold it up high right now. Here we go, ready? One, two, three. Right now, hold it up right now. Hold it up, that's right. That's right, that's right, hold it up. Yes, yes, hold it up. Come on, hold it up high.